welcome to the Captain's Quarters, the unofficial Star Trek rewatch podcast where we are rewatching the entire Star Trek franchise starting at the beginning of the official chronology. We've already gone all the way through Star Trek Enterprise and we're just getting started on Star Trek Discovery. My name's Gabe. I'm with my co-captain Jason. Make it so, Jason. Hey buddy, how are you? What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking... Since we're in the captain's quarters. Costco brand sparkling water. Ah, nice. So, very exciting. Not unflavored. Oh, unflavored. I was, I was about yeah, to yeah. say, what flavor? <clears throat> yeah, no, I don't do the flavored thing. I go, I just go pure. Just straight up, okay. So, today we're talking about... Star Trek Discovery Season 1, Episode 4, and it probably has the longest title of any Star Trek episode we have watched and talked about. So it's called, The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. And so this series thus far has followed a... What's the opposite of episodic? Oh, serialized serialized it's very mm-hmm. serialized right yeah and so is it is that it, right is that right is it ser- i think it's serialized right here's what i do know oh yeah i think you're right I think yeah you're right. okay okay yeah so because every episode is like a chapter in a much larger arc and yes you you, you couldn't pick this show up even in episode two you couldn't do it no no i yeah agreed yeah. So where we're at is that Michael Burnham was court-martialed for mutiny, sentenced to life in prison. She also helped start a war with the Klingons. Because there's a war with the Klingons, the captain of the Discovery um, basically has a deal where he was told, win the war at any stakes. So he takes Burnham... Um, you know, he, he basically, um, suspends her sentence and says, help me win this war. So she gets to serve on this ship instead of going to prison. So this episode starts with her getting a uniform that is like fabricated out of some sort of special machine that like creates it out of thin air. So that was interesting. Replicated. Yeah, it was replicated, which was really cool to see it. Yeah. And then to me, in my eyes, it kind of also felt like um, a um, kind of part of this episode because the the thing, the planet they're going to save and rescue also mines dilithium crystals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, spoiler. Um, and it kind of reminded me of, um, you know, as it was being made you could see the the crystalline structure and it kind of just reminded me, oh, I wonder if this is kind of a precursor to like where we're going, but who knows? It was just a really cool way to showing how a uniform is being made. <laughs> For sure. And and you being an aficionado of no. Star Trek yes. Star Trek uniforms. Yes, just a fan. What is what is your honest take of of these uniforms? Um Unlike opinion. anything I've seen in the universe, in the Star Trek universe, mm-hmm. and it's much more militaristic. Um, 
it's just different. I, I, I'm having a hard time getting used to it because, you know, this is 10 years, as they say, 10 years before the days of Kirk and Spock, but it doesn't feel like it, and then the uniforms also don't make it, you know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel older than the original, you know, series ones. Right. I totally agree. <clears throat> I don't feel like they're too far off, though, from Star Trek Enterprise. And maybe I'm just speaking of the color scheme. Yeah. But. Because yeah. you don't get, like, the reds and yellows and, and right. stuff that you get from the original, whereas Enterprise is all, bl- like, dark blue. Right. And I feel like this one is also a lot of dark blues and blacks yeah. and stuff. But I like it, yeah. Yeah. Well anyway, so so her her uniform does not have an insignia. So even though she's like a crew member, she's not like official because she's they're they're definitely like making her the underdog in yeah. any way that they can. The the creators of the show are. And so she is assigned to study this giant tardigrade. Tardigrade, mm-hmm. Which you correctly theorized that this giant monster thing was from last episode. There was this monster from this other Starfleet ship called the Glen that was performing these these bio, biological scientific studies and it was destroyed and this tardigrade thing had like killed everyone on on the on the crew on the ship and also some some klingon marauders who tried to come tried to come um you know pillage the the ship and so captain um lorca had taken this this beast on board the discovery and enclosed it in this like special cage and so he wants burnham to study it and he's saying like okay if this thing can tear through a hole and it can kill an entire crew and if it can take blaster shots from both starfleet and klingons um i want you to study it and weaponize it so so as she's studying it she discovers that it has a like symbiotic connection with the mycelia so we know that discovery and the glen were working with mycelia and the lead scientist on discovery's partner was on the glen he was one of the casualties of this tardigrade so they were both studying this mycelia and they're trying to create this like mycelian network that spans the universe and they can warp like instantly across the universe based on this mycelian network but she discovers that this animal this beast is like a symbiote um has a symbiotic relationship with with the mycelia and it can communicate with it and um and she also recognizes that the beast was acting in self-defense because mm-hmm. it had entered the glen because it was attracted to the mycelia on board the glen and then obviously they must have attacked it or something right and then it was or so, captured it 
it was they were being held it. by the Glen. Mm-hmm. Right? So it was being yeah. held by the Glen. And that's how they were able to jump. And that's how it kind of finally... But then something happens. It escapes. Where it felt threatened. Yeah. It felt threatened. Yeah. It acted in self-defense. Things escalated. It killed everyone on board. Oh, uh, yeah. And so so um, Burnham discovers this. And so when she starts acting nice to it, she's actually able to domesticate it to a degree. And she also, you know, uses the spores as like, she figures out that the spores are like a treat to it. That it's kind mm-hmm. of like a something that it likes and enjoys. <clears throat> right. Yeah. And, and eat, I guess. Right. Absorb. And, and <laughs> one, yeah, one of her crew crewmates, you know, gets impatient, lets the beast out, and the beast senses the threat and, and kills one of the crewmates. Yeah. But that's that's kind of how Burnham puts it together that the beast is like responding to threats as opposed to just like I don't know eating people or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mindless um, predator. Right. Which it exactly. Is it yeah. actually remind so Ripper the tardigrade that they nicknamed mm-hmm. Ripper um, actually yeah. reminded me. This was a lot like uh, an original series episode, not exactly, but a lot like uh, the original series episodes, Devil episode devil in the dark where uh they the enterprise you know um it's it was a lot like devil in the dark and i will leave it at that and ripper reminded me of the mother horta hmm. okay the creature in that episode so when we get there um, you know maybe we can circle back and see what you think sure So I thought they were going to say that the tardigrade was like a mutated version of the microscopic one. Yeah. So but I don't I, think that was ever stated. No, I don't think so either. Um, but I do think that if they are... So if there is a mycelial plane in the universe mm-hmm. that they are using to jump, I imagine in this mycelial mycelial universe that that everything's bigger so Hmm. you know right so a tardigrade which is microscopic on earth and it becomes just larger in scope and scale based on the scope and scale of the mycelial universe so i'm thinking that there is a mycelial universe or a mycelial realm if you were to say um, connected to the spore drive that they're actually going through and this is just a guess is that when they do jump that they're transported into this mycelial network mm-hmm. and there's these veins and things that it travels through like a tunnel mm-hmm. um, and so my guess is like everything is just larger you know, mm. I don't think I don't think you know Discovery turns into um, the little magic school bus and you know shrinks down into you know microscopic. Um, <laughs> that'd be cool. That'd be cute though. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you know, Paul Stamets is just you know Miss Frizzle. Um, but so I think it's an enlarged universe realm thing. I, I guess, but I don't know. 
No, yeah, that makes sense. Well, okay, but the Glen had harnessed this tardigrade, and mm-hmm. um, so so um, St- Stamets had uh, retrieved these devices from the Glen that were meant to like hold the tardigrade in place mm-hmm. and and connect with it and then use it to to do these jumps yeah so obviously the glen had done this it's a little unclear how they did it or how they knew to do it or where they got it from but that's what that that's what they figure out and so instead of weaponizing the beast they end up using its ability to connect to the network yeah and um you know they're nice to it and it works for them. It becomes, it becomes a beast of burden, right? It As does. It does. Yeah, it does. And, and so, Burnham realizes that, like at the end, where it's like, oh, these jumps is actually, you know, hurting it or injuring it or making it ill, because mm-hmm. it becomes a very different animal, or it it shows a very different side of its personality at the end, where it's kind yeah. of hurting or in pain or whatever the case might be at the end right so this episode has an urgency to it because um the reason why they're so desperate to make these jumps is because they want to go to to corvan 2 where 40 percent of the federation's um dilithium is uh, Mm -hmm. extracted and um Without 40% of their dilithium, they come to a standstill and then they lose the war. Yeah. Yeah. And they're the only ones who can get there on time because um, the Admiral tells Lorca, like, the nearest ship is like 80 days or 80 hours away. Yeah, like 84 hours away. I'm like, wow, really? Yeah. And and they're literally under attack. The the Klingons broke through some kind of blockade and they're literally attacking the colony. So, like, they have to get there right now. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Burnham figures this out using her supreme intelligence and her Vulcan training, and they make the jump and they save the day. And at the same time, while this is happening, mm-hmm. we we uh, we go over to the Klingons, and that storyline picks up where uh, Vok who had ascended the albino klingon had ascended uh and he was you know anointed by takuvma who was sort of this leader of the klingon takuvma was killed and martyred so vok's ship um he takes on takuvma's crew but they can't they can't travel because their ship is damaged from the, mm-hmm. the battle. So they're stranded. And they're debating on whether to go to the um, uh, the Shenzhoa? Is that what it's called? The Shenzhou, yeah. The Shenzhou. Shenzhou, sorry. Yeah. Thank you. The, uh, the ship that... Uh, sorry. Um, Michelle Yeoh captained... The ship that... Um, that um Giorgio 
Giorgio and uh, Saru and Burnham serve previous to uh, Discovery. Yeah. So that the the Shenzo, the Shenzo has the parts they need to travel, but he thinks that it would be like dishonoring to Kuvma's legacy and memory because mm-hmm. it's that ship has blood on it. Um, figuratively and literally in his mind. Yes. So um, he's hesitant to do it. And we're introduced to like a female Klingon. And it's it's clear that it's sort of like a love interest, possibly, of Vok, right? Yeah, definitely. And, yeah. And um, she's kind of like saying, no, you should do this. And she, you could tell like she's into him. Then this this other leader comes, this other Klingon leader. Um, so, what's his name? Cole? Cole. Cole? Yeah. Cole, Cole comes. Yeah. He betrays Vok when um, he, when Vok is uh, away. He basically takes over Vok's crew, which is Kuvma's old crew. Yeah, and and maroons um, Vok on Takuvma's stranded ship with on the Shenzhou. Oh, that was the Shenzhou. Ra- yeah, okay. he maroon okay. he maroons him on the Shenzhou. Okay. Yeah, w- with the female, um... unknowingly, unknowingly, that Laurel, the female yeah. that we, that the the, the mm-hmm. female that you're talking about, um, is supposed to kill Vok, mm-hmm. and he, she double uh, <laughs> wig. Is it? She double crosses. Cool. Yeah, I'm like, does she double cross or does she? Is it like a triple cross? No, it's a double cross. So he, so she double crosses Cole uh, to go and be with Takuvma. And she says to, to Vok um, that you can be uh, the leader of, you know, she tells him that the matriarchs of the house of Mokai, which the house, which is the house that, um, Laurel is kind of part of, but she's, she's also kind of part of the house of Takuvma. Yeah. I don't know how that works. She's half um, and half. Her father yeah. was Takuvma's lineage or whatever. And, right. And then, her, then mom, her mom was usually, the house of Mocha. Right. So, But then you're supposed to usually go and annex or, you know... You're supposed to usually, you know, one house usually becomes the dominant house and takes over the other house. But I guess not in this case. <laughs> I'm so I'm in a, in a in a reference to Star Wars. Uh, I think the matriarchs are going to be like the great mothers, but I just I don't know it, from Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> What do you think that Laurel meant when she said her father gave her a batleth and said that he, that she needed to like cleave her heart or something? That she needed to. What what was she supposed to do? So I think yeah. So I think that was to be the leader of that house of 
the house of which her father is from and to okay. like go and kill <laughs> okay you know and you know grow the house okay but to to sever ties with the house of mokai right yeah i think so yeah okay okay well so basically she she says though to Vok, as you said at the end okay well this takuma thing isn't going to work out so now we're going to go to the house of mokai and the matriarchs there will help you but you're going to have to sacrifice everything yeah um and And i'm one do you think that's more than life what do you think everything oh um i have no idea (laughs) okay yeah i have no clue okay yeah i yeah i don't know because the klingons don't really seem to possess much um so I don't know. He would. Get, the only thing that he really has is his like desire to lead the Klingon right. Empire. Right. But, right. 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 But I think he seems destined to to do this Kales thing, right, and to unite all the Klingons. And I, I can't imagine that this show is going to go anywhere other than him doing that. Yeah. So I think this is just like a an une- unexpected journey that's going to get him what he needs but he wasn't like planning on doing it this way he was going to take a more traditional route of conquest and this is going to be more like you know he's going to gain some kind of enlightenment and that will uh, so he's on his he's on a literal hero's journey he's on a he's on a quest for enlightenment and he'll bring it back and and that will save the day for the Klingons (laughs) I don't know so yeah that that was pretty much it so i i like this show i do um i i don't i like the pace more than i do enterprise it's uh-huh. still it still is very suspenseful yes. but it does it doesn't layer it on so thick that that the characters can't slow down and have a discussion and talk things out and you get to know them well yep. you get to know you get to know a very select few of them that's actually one of my complaints um that everyone's it, dying around <laughs> no no my complaint is like all these crew members we get like lots of like shots of them and we don't know anything uh-huh. about them yeah like like all the ones on the bridge they they're all very recognizable cuz they're all very distinct yeah but we don't know anything about them and that Not that a was thing. That was one thing Enterprise did brilliantly. Is it yes. like made a big deal out of like, you know, giving entire storylines to Sato or Reed or whatever. And this show is the antithesis of that. It's all about Burnham. So I think so that's interesting that you say that. And and I and I don't disagree with you. But in this episode specifically I have, so I'm a little bit more sympathetic to the Klingons, Lorel and Vok in particular, mm-hmm. than I am with the Discovery crew. And it's probably because Lorca, boy, he's unlike any Starfleet captain we've ever seen. I mean, 
to play the sounds of the inhabitants of Corvan to under attack and under siege by Klingons over the internal speak, you know, over the internal communications. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's brutal, dude. That's yeah. Like the grip that Draco's dad has on this crew is just yeah, yeah, unbelievable. And I'm like, dude, he's just this dictator that is straight out of the Terran Empire. Like, you know, not as brutal, but just oof, oof. For and sure. I know he's, I know he's hell bent on winning this war, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, like dude. you typically think of like the officer training here as being pretty robust as far as like assessing the character and yeah. like how how would he have ever passed that that part of it? Like the yeah. written exam, you know? Like So I'm wondering <laughs> if Starfleet in this I'm wondering if Starfleet was much more militaristic. Mhm. Um in kind of the J.J. Abrams Star Trek Beyond. Was it Star Trek Beyond? Or Idris Elba was this prior to Starfleet, you know, it was kind of much more of a war military military kind of defensive force than an exploration force. But it kind of held those kinds of lines where Lorca's like much more, you know, um a military captain than a Starfleet captain. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Or like, I think, uh, you're, I think you're right. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I, I and wish so I, I'm curious. I wish I would even like. I wish I even knew the names of those crew members on the bridge. I think we'll get there. 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 I mean, because we're introduced to Doctor Culber, and mm-hmm. you and they killed off Commander Landry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay, so you don't have to tell her story. <laughs> but don't don't you think that Lorca is going to die pretty soon? I to me, he's a marked man. Soon? I don't know if soon. I do think he dies, mm-hmm. but I don't know if soon. Yeah, I don't get a sense yet that it's anytime soon. Okay. I could be wrong. What makes what gives you the feeling? Are your threat ganglia kind of going? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I just feel like like the poster for Discovery is Burnham. Yeah. I assume she's the captain. Um, at some point, and I don't think they're gonna they're going to waste too much time getting her there. So, but then she would have to jump over Saru, who's the first see, officer. See, I do think that... You think that, they kill him too? No, definitely not. Oh, okay, I think he's, okay. he's in it for the long haul. I, I think okay. it's, it's simply that Saru um, gives her the recommendation of... Isn't ready for command. No, I think he simply... Because he's very logical, I think he simply at some point will say, "She's more qualified. She's even more qualified than me." Simple as that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because I do see a Burnham, Saru, Bones, McCoy, 
and Spock relationship, but taking taking it to an end to, to another level of mm. banter and disagreement, and you know the way that she uses him to come in to the laboratory. You know, as like, oh, you know, I apologize or whatever the case might be. And it was just an experiment to see if his threat ganglia would go up, you know, around mm-hmm. the um, the tardigrade. So, yeah, I see that. Ha- I mean, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know where that, you know. So you think. Even though Saru doesn't really let have a like care for Burnham, you think he recommends her for the captain's chair? I think I think it comes to a point interesting where, where he says because I mean he already said at one point she's the smartest officer he's ever known, right? And. I think she'll continue to prove herself and I think that he'll be in a position where he's asked yay or nay and he'll say yay. Mhm. Hmm. I my bet is that this happens within the next 3 episodes. Whoa! That Lorca dies and she becomes captain. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, think about how fast Wow. Think about how fast this has gone. I mean, I think six months has gone by already, and yeah, and then but but six months, but it's only been a day since episode three. Yeah, but in that so in these four episodes, she's gone from mutineer, sentenced to life, yeah, to now basically a a, a crew crew member of of a. Starfleet ship. And wow. She's yeah, she's just got all kinds of plot armor around her and I think she's just going to I bet I bet next episode she's going to get an insignia. The following episode will conclude with Lorca dying and then the next episode there will be wow. a need a need for a captain. And Saru's and, not ready yet. And logic will dictate that Burnham is Become next in captain. line. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm going to take that down. And yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm. Wow. Anyone who's randomly watching this, if it I... isn't evident, so I, I don't. I haven't watched Star Trek like any of the series except for yeah. the next generation when i was and now a kid. enterprise so yeah. i'm i'm very unqualified to be making any sort no, of no 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 you and i okay so i've said this before and i'll say it again in this you and i are like the same level here bro this is this is not there are elements of the Star Trek that I know, like the humanity mm. part, there are human elements, right? Yeah. You know, Burnham's you know 
care or whatever for the tardigrade and you know the all these like even even Lorca's quest and ambition to to beat the Klingons in this war and to outpace them even though he's got this very dictatorial style of command it's it's still very human so they hit on that but a lot of the other points it kind of gets away from me in it and it's almost more like Battlestar Galactica or a different mm. sci-fi yeah. you know series than Star Trek I get that and I, I'm not I've never watched Battlestar Galactica I'm not into a lot oh! of stuff but I definitely get the, the sense I love of like it's basically like generic sci-fi like something you yeah. see on the sci-fi channel or something like yeah. components of it yeah and it just so happens to have the Star Trek Delta on it I'm like okay well yeah I guess but again I, I do appreciate the the discussion the dialogue um yeah the like the discussion about I, I don't know like the back and forth the way that there's like there's debate you know things are debated on 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 decisions that should be made and it's always interesting and um it's just what it's the star trekiness we're always talking about so yes it's it's yes. there it's there it, it is there it is there i'm not saying that it's not it's just there are other things and mm-hmm. that it's like eh. mm-hmm. you know like how are they going to explain well, if spore drive is so great, and it could be because they don't want to, like, you know, injure or kill off all the tardigrade. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, how, and maybe that's how they do it, I don't know. But how does, how does spore drive not become a thing, you know... Ten years later. Right. In, star, you know, in the original series. Or do you go back and George Lucas it and, sit and have, you know, Captain Kirk... And Spock have a little thing go, well, the spore drive that, you know, blah, 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 that was a flub. <laughs> and, you know, we didn't want to keep, you know, hurting tardigrade or injuring. I don't know. Yeah, I t- totally agree. I-, I think it was a huge mistake to set this 10 years before the original series. Yeah. Yeah, because because like what you're talking about now, had it been much longer before, they could have explained yeah. it away as we determined it was too dangerous. Like there was some massive incident that that banned it. Now it's outlawed. Um, it's against Starfleet regulation, and that would be like an unacceptable explanation for why it doesn't exist later on. Right, or if. So the other explanation I could have that I could see them using, because we don't ever see, like, the Glenn or Discovery-style starship, like, this the rotating yeah. hall thing. I'm like, Needless. what? Yeah. Is that this is, like, a Section 31 dealio, and that it's off the books, but it's hiding and disguising as, Star- as Starfleet. Mm-hmm. But I have no idea. I have no idea. 
Or uh, people are just like, eh, it doesn't matter. So that reminds me of a point before I forget. So this show is like tapping into like the sci-fi, like like biotech, I guess. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And it, it reminds me of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, like I would read like Star Wars novels, but at some point, like there was a there was a continuity to the the novels that came out. There wasn't as many branches, and they didn't branch off into a million different storylines. It all kind of followed the same storyline. At some mm-hmm. point, the galactic threat was the uh the yuzhan vong i think they were called oh yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, and it was there was... a prince of the yuzhan vong prince shizor or is that a different thing shizor was something else oh okay so this was like a they were like a outer galactic like they were from another galaxy and they okay. came they came in huge numbers but like all of their technology was biological and so and i think like their religion was even like anti-technology so all their Mm -hmm. stuff was like like literally their their gun would be like an organism that like you know you're you're pushing its tongue and it's spitting out like plasma that like it's like acid that melts you like every single piece of their technology was like biology based and it was it was really boring and and honestly it killed my interest in like reading Star Wars um expanded universe stuff cuz it felt forced it felt like okay we've done everything we've done massive massive instruments that can destroy planets we've done you know light speed we've done all these space battles we've done everything we can in this so what and it was it was felt like force like okay if we have to do something else what do what can we do like well let's yeah. explore in this whole other paradigm and it was just boring and, and i kind of feel like this was happening with this show which is like the the quote-unquote need to do something new even though you don't have to do something it does everything doesn't have to be new all the time uh but that's just, yeah you, I just get the feeling that's the thought that decision yeah. makers have. I agree with you. Yeah. And and I feel like that's what happened here. Yeah. So I agree with you. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. So that's just my thought. That's just my little soapbox there on. Interesting. On that. I I yeah. agree with that. I totally agree with that. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh anyway, I, I, I hope they don't totally overdo it with this mycelian thing like if like if every single you know conflict is resolved by some breakthrough in microscopic organisms that um you know we didn't know they could do this but look what happens when we harness their power and it's like it just feels forced. It doesn't feel... It does. It doesn't feel organic. Yeah. Pardon the... And again, it all there. goes back. I think... Do you think that would change if this was 20 years after Picard? Um, 
See, I think this is much more of a future than a prior, you know, pre-TOS, pre-original series, or those old scientists, for those of you who watched Lower Decks <laughs> and Strange New Worlds. Um, but do you think it would be more palatable, I guess, if it were set in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, why do you think they wanted to make it a prequel if, if that was their M.O.? Was yeah, to... yeah. And I'm, I mean, and I'm I... curious if they do. Like, you know, I have this, I'm curious if, like, that's how they explain it. Like, this was a short time period of experimental Starfleet. And then they jump ahead into the future. Like, way into the future. Well, when after we finished Enterprise and I had to do a little bit of digging to see what our next series would be, there yeah. is some sort of jump. So there's like some, oh. there's some seasons that are before the original series, but then something jumps forward. Oh. I don't know what mechanism that is, but... Oh, interesting. Maybe they take so the then my, do we, mycelian so, technology with them. So then do we cut a George... Didn't, so do we cut a Star Wars? I think we do. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. I think we do. Okay. That's the most appropriate thing, right? Yeah, I think so. That when they make that jump that we cut to the original series or Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. Yes! <laughs> not that I not that I don't I have to keep reminding myself that like okay just watch this mm -hmm. as pseudo Star Trek and sure. maybe it gets more Star Trek because yeah. I agree with you it, it, it's getting away from it it's mm -hmm. getting away from a lot of the Star Trek-y things and so and so yeah like if like I keep saying with uh, Luke Skywalker in the sequels that he's Jake Skywalker. I'm like, all right, yeah, I can palette that. This one is like, okay, if it's like a Star Trek light or, you know, a different universe or just a different in its own galaxy, like on its own, I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, I can. Yeah, this is a, you know, it's a good, you know, it's a pretty good show. Right, yeah. If you take away those things. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, what do you gain by making a prequel? You get this the connection to um to Sarek. That is Which been, was, again, which been was almost unnecessary. nothing. It's been almost yeah. nothing, completely unnecessary. Yeah. And then yeah. I, I think the only thing you get is a Klingon Empire completely at odds with Starfleet, whereas maybe later down the yeah. road they're more aligned, right? Are they ever yeah. in an alliance with the Klingons? Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, see, yeah. See, I think that's like what you get by having a prequel is you get to to do this thing with the Klingons where they're, yes. they're enemies and that's it. That's all you get. Yeah. And you sacrifice so much. All of your complaints is at the cost of them wanting to do that. So. And do you like that they are only speaking in Klingon? Um, 
I don't. I hadn't thought of that. I don't know. Oh, okay, okay. Because I thought you were. I thought you'd be like, yeah. I really like that they're only speaking in Klingon. <laughs> I like it. I like it that they're only speaking in Klingon. Um. Yeah. No, I like it because then I don't have to do the the mental gymnastics of like, you know, how does the universal translator work? Universal. Like, well, but yeah. they. But they. But we haven't. But they're not interacting really that much with yeah. humans right now. Yeah. It's mostly amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. So. Before I forget, also, we met the doctor of this yes. ship. Yes, Dr. Culber. Yeah, we didn't, um, he didn't make an impression on me yet, but. Not I was yet. such a huge fan of Flocks. I'm curious if he's. Yeah. Like, does he have an eye for Stamets? Like, they had a thing going on. Oh, really? Yeah, I think they had a thing. Like, A romantic thing? explicitly, like, romantic. But I think they could. Because there okay. was that scene where he's taking care of Stamets. And there's this... It goes beyond the doctor-patient tension thing. I could be misreading it, but that's what I, that's what I feel. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. And I love the medical white too. I love the the medical his his white medical uniform, the all white medical uniform. That was that was pretty sharp. I did not notice that, but I knew you had oh, okay. noticed stuff like that. So that's what I okay. about you, buddy. <laughs> well, was there anything else with this episode? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we covered it. I mean, so the, the other thing that we didn't talk about was, um, no, I, no, there is, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know if we were going to spend too much time on it, but the, it was, oh boy, this hit home when Tilly brings in Captain, uh, Captain Giorgio's, yeah, um, telescope telescope that we yeah. don't know that it's a telescope and gives mm-hmm. it to Burnham yeah and she can't bring herself to open it yeah right mm-hmm. because you know she got killed started yeah. the war you know all that kind of stuff that I was like ooh you could really you know feel that guilt and the mental trauma that she has she's going through and then to open it at the end and to and to hear and see that message yeah that so hit got, right here buddy we got a little cameo from michelle yo as yeah. a recorded hologram yeah yeah reminding like okay before you got you know before she betrayed you you know she was your loyal first officer friend daughter figure kind of deal mm-hmm yeah. I like that too. And you're like, oof, oof, oof. <laughs> That's tough. For sure. Well, what would you give this one? How many pips, buddy? Should I even ask? Um, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I give this a, I give this a lieutenant commander, uh, two solid pips and a black pip. Um, okay. two gold pips and a black pip. You know, pretty good. Not great, but I, I liked it. I really liked it. It's not a bad thing. I liked it. Okay. What about you? I know you have a different rating style. Yeah. I yeah, I liked it. I um I think I was doing letter grades last time, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I would give it like a not quite a B minus, but a low okay. B. So like a like an eighty three. Oh, oh, you know oh, saying? okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Or like an eighty eighty two point nine. You know what I mean? Like just one click above a B minus. I I was I didn't I didn't say it when we were talking. Yeah, okay. I was bumped okay. by So like a low B. Yeah, I just a low B. This. Yeah, a low B. Yeah. The 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 like forced biotech thing is is too much for me. Like but but the all the rest I of it, it I liked. So I I, I do hope that we don't yeah. get too far into it, so into that that part that aspect of it so um yeah i don't know i i've got a bad feeling about that nice um okay so you're caught up on ahsoka did you want to talk about it hey buddy are we on a are we on a lag yeah absolutely we're on some sort of lag. I think so. A little oh. bit. Oh, man. Yeah, a little bit. I think so. Okay. It's okay. It's not too bad. Okay. Sometimes this I was happens. Like, yeah, I was about to say, like, you know, if this weren't, like, live on YouTube and, like, this were, like, a work meeting, we could go off camera and say odd bandwidth. But no, I think it's Okay. Okay. Give me your thoughts on Ahsoka. Um, boy, ah, I love it. I'm loving it. I'm loving the. I'm loving everything about it. Um, you know, Balin Skull, what he's gonna do, what Shin Hati, like, is she gonna turn because they nearly like left her, hmm. like. Is there some, like, and we talked about this the last time. Is Balin Skull found something, like, on the planet mm-hmm. that he's going to stay? What's he going to do? What's he going to turn into? And then just this. And then Grand Admiral Thrawn, man. And his alliance with the Great Mothers. You know, what they're taking away from the planet. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'm really, ex- I'm really excited. I'm really excited. And then you know we got to see you know C3PO made a cameo. I mean you know Genevieve O'Reilly. I mean, can you imagine if you're Genevieve O'Reilly and you're playing Mon Mothma, like you're playing her, 
kind of concurrently, right? Mm-hmm. So in one hand in Andor, you're playing her pre, you know, rebellion, you know, kind of the formations of rebellion, you know, in the early days of the rebellion to then the chancellor of the new republic. I mean, yeah. come on. How cool is that? How cool is that? Two, two extremely different styles of shows as well they're very very different shows very different very different but she pulled it off pretty seamlessly so yeah um i'm glad they did though she's she's great i like her what are you thinking what are you thinking man you this is this is where the tables turn and this is where you are much more of the star wars um yeah, I mean, I know why you would say that, but the the issue is I was never a huge Clone Wars Rebels fan, and definitely not. Ah. So I um ah. I do look to you to translate the like why is this cool type thing for this stuff. Oh, because, okay. Because it's like a whole other paradigm. Um, it, it and it doesn't it doesn't impact me like the way that Star Wars did as a kid. Sure. And and I it's full like the animated stuff and this is full of all these moments where I can tell I'm being queued up to be like ooh, but I'm I'm not. I'm like okay. Uh, like this show, I like this show. I like it a lot more than basically all the all of the Mandalorian and Boba Fett and most of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Um but I do think it's kind of wavered. I thought the first two episodes were like perfect. They were like perfect Star Wars. Had okay. Me totally captivated. Okay. But okay. um I I thought the um the scene with um Z- Ziono, the senator Z- Ziono or something. Ziono, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So he's you know, he's like dressing down Hera and I mean I don't know, you tell me do you think it's clear that he's a, a a double agent? Basically, he's he's on the payroll of of the first order, <laughs> like in the in that he's you know he's basically not a great guy. And in like his what he's saying is not valid. His his criticisms of Hera's conduct are not valid. But the the show the dialogue doesn't do a good job of like making his case. And so he just seems like a crazy person. He's like, um, he's like all up in arms. Um, he's like basically raging at Hera Mm -hmm. for something that a good guy wouldn't do. And so, 
like without the context mm. without the context of knowing like mm. that palpatine and his cronies are always pulling the strings of these people mm-hmm. um this just doesn't make sense like his his level of intensity against her doesn't hold up but okay. yet no, one, no one's questioning it and it, yeah and like all they needed to do in the dialogue was like like this is why andor was so good is because you know the 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 lead like commander guys like we have an audit coming up in two days we do not want this on our record and that's it that's all you need to do is like is like give the person a reason for why they're acting the way they are yeah because because otherwise you have to just assume that they're some sort of double agent and we know in star wars there's a lot of those but like right um but the other characters don't know that and so it just doesn't make sense there's this guy's freaking out about nothing and you're like like nobody's going like what is this guy's problem is he high like what what is happening right now and and i just okay i I don't like that at all so i think okay so this happens to you and me which is fun Mm -hmm. um which yeah, I find it a I find it fun because so I read it in the way that this is that that he isn't an agent of the remnants of the empire at mm-hmm. all. I okay. I read it as the political and this is what and I think we've touched on this before, but I'll but I but I I think that the one of the major downfalls of the republic is that it is the mirror like you know how the jedi and the sith are mirrors of one another yeah mm-hmm. i think in a lot of ways and i've seen a couple of instances you know um um snl alum bureaucrat and Carson Tava, you know, okay. from what was it, Mando? Mm-hmm. And now, like, the immense arrogance. So, you know how, you know how, like, Luke told Palpatine, your air, you know, he was like, your arrogance is going to be your downfall. Okay. Which it was, right? Okay. And then the arrogance trickled down into the Empire, right? Okay. And, that's why so many things I think that is what ended the empire was because it was an arrogant institution. Okay. Now I see I now I think we're seeing the reflection of it in the new republic. Okay. And the frailty of the new republic. Mhm. That it has also become arrogant. And I think Senator Fiono is such a believer in the in the new republic and what they're trying to build that he's like why disrupt the peace and the order that we have brought to the galaxy in the new republic mm-hmm. why are you you know ruffling people's feathers you're just an alarm so i see him as just like why are you why are, why is and and when i say you i mean 
General yeah. Sindula. Yep. Why are you trying to throw panic into the Republic? You know, he made that comment, right? Like, the remnants of the Empire. Mm-hmm. That's not anything. Right. Like, that's not anything, mm-hmm. right? And I could totally see that. I could be wrong. And he might be, you know, a double agent and he might be part, you know, forever, you know, you know, empire forever or whatever. Long live the empire, whatever the, the, the catchphrase is. But I think it's just the flip, the mirror, that the New Republic is a large ungainly huge bureaucratic institution that is also becoming arrogant within itself that we defeated the empire how do you how do you define arrogance just that like in in that sense of like we're good like no we we destroyed the empire and we're here no, but like if right. you had if you had to write the dictionary entry for everything, oh, what would you, you want say? The Webster's yeah. dictionary. Mm-hmm. Oh man, um, I would. Like I think you're saying it's it's like they're above criticism or yes. Yes, yes. It's as if they were... Believing you're impervious. Yes, yes. It's, it's more than pride. And that it's like... It's like he is... He knows more, and he thinks he's more, and he thinks that the, that the New Republic is more important than of himself than the opinion of someone who disagrees with him in general Sindula. So I think he carries that air of like, no, I'm right and you're wrong. And I'm the senator and I sit on this side of the table and we're a part of the government and we got this. Okay, but but does he believe that he's right or he's he he doesn't want to open a can of worms? Like, I think it's both, right? I think it's I think it's I think because he's so blinded that he thinks he's right that he's not willing to see that translates into not willing to see that oh Thrawn could be back. Right? He says that. He scoffs at that, too. He's like, oh, Thrawn could come back. Mm-hmm. And just the way he said it, I was like, ugh. You, you know, arrogant SOB so-and-so. Okay. I, I see. I still... Like, in my mind, Jason, you have to yeah. do a lot of work to explain his blindness you have to you have to get pretty like deep into it to oh, to say oh interesting to, to not say like but like hera and 
Tiva and Hera's kid and all those X-Wing pilots and the droids and probably all the instruments on Hera's ship observed two lightsaber-wielding, effectively Mm -hmm. Sith, Mm -hmm. fighting and... Doing and then and then we picked Ahsoka uh, Ahsoka up out of the sea, like clearly yeah. this is a big deal. And yeah, and, because they see it not a senator sitting in the fiftieth floor of, you know, the Senate building. Yeah, no, but but this is a this is an era of holograms and recordings and droids and so, and, and really yeah. good intel. Yeah, and so his actions come across as willfully like um he's like you know like mccarthy or something he's like uh-huh, uh-huh, he's uh-huh. he's he's inventing evidence to attack somebody's character uh-huh to to accomplish some insidious means sure and and i don't think that he is unaware of the like threat i think he's willfully suppressing it wow okay interesting see that's the thing but like how how could he not be aware of all the evidence there's multiple witnesses but there wasn't though and that's what i think the beauty part of like when so when the so there's a so there's like a brief moment where Carson Table walks into the tribunal room mm-hmm. and he shakes his head and goes, mm, sorry, didn't. And we don't know what that was, that what they were looking for. And it was probably that evidence that you were trying. That you no, were no, saying. sorry. I'm, t- I'm thinking about the totality of the show. The very first like scene of this show is yeah. Balin impaling a Republic officer on a Republic yeah. ship. Yeah. And destroying multiple Republic troops. Sure, sure, sure. There's sure, no sure. way that wasn't on camera and reported. Right. And, yeah. and this guy's on a military council, but remember, right? He would be the first remember, one to know remember, about it. But remember, like, they are also saying, we quashed it. We took care of the Corellian incident. We took care of that. No, right? but, they, but he would know that this lightsaber wielding guy who clearly is a threat he's aware they didn't but see i don't think he does think of it as a threat because he thinks i think that i think that he thinks that the republic is big enough and that can take care of itself and does not see balen's goal as a threat he doesn't see that's my point he doesn't see the guy he doesn't see the guy who landed on a ship and single-handedly took it down with one lightsaber as a threat? Yeah, I don't think he sees that. I don't think he sees that as a threat. Okay. I do not. All right. Okay. All right. Because if you're if you're a senator of a huge institution, mm-hmm. what's one guy? What's one he, guy? And he wields but, a lightsaber. Big but, deal. But he's very explicitly not one guy. There's evidence of him i'm sure he's on camera yeah. walking onto a massive Carillion ship yeah and taking it down with one lightsaber him and his his partner and so two yeah. lightsabers 
They destroyed yeah. an entire crew. Yeah. Like that. But that's then red alert. But you're gonna take one. But then you've got a whole fleet of other Republic ships that can take down the one guy. See, if you're sitting high up above in mm-hmm. that, like, the air, I think, is different when you're a senator. And you're like, yeah, we got this. I believe in the New Republic. So arrogantly. That I think that's where it comes from. I don't buy it, man. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, all right. I, okay. I mean, okay. your your argument is sound. And, and I think, like, in-universe, that's what we're supposed to believe. Uh, okay, but it's, so... It's either terrible writing or he's a double agent. So... And, but, Hang but, on. but even so, if he is a double agent, it's still bad writing. So because in nobody's questioning Return of him. The Jedi, in Return of the Jedi, the Emperor says, "A legion of my best troops is waiting for your pathetic little band." Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the same thing. It's just flipped. It's the same. It's the same. So to me, it's that same idea where, like, we got this. One guy, one little rebellion band, we got this. I've got a capital, like, Imperial Star Destroyer that can take you out. I've got a huge battle station that will wipe you out. Um, and, okay. he, and, and he did not take into account, Palpatine did not take into, effect, into account... Yeah, it can be one guy. It can be a pathetic little band that does bring down your empire. And that's where the arrogance comes in. But this is not a pathetic little band. This is clearly like the assassin of all assassins. I mean, is he though? <laughs> yeah. Is he though? Yes. He's Balin's a total, skull, he's really? a total badass. He's a total badass. I mean, yeah, I mean, in a way, I guess. But he's not like Luke Skywalker. Comparatively, Luke like, Skywalker, to the Emperor. When, when he was talking about an entire legion, he was talking about an entire legion versus a bunch of Ewoks and rebels on, on speeder bikes. That was not Luke yeah. Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know. I know. I know. I, if Luke Skywalker had been helping them down there, I don't think the Emperor would have been so arrogant. And and I think <laughs> if if he had if he had like the audience would be like, um, this is Luke Skywalker. What are you talking about? And right. and like no one in the show was saying to this guy like, what are you talking about? Like this, like basically Darth Vader just came onto the ship and sliced apart no, everybody in half. Like and and <laughs> nobody's think, nobody's you protesting. Really think people in the universe. In this galaxy, <coughs> if, see Balin's skull as Darth Vader, really? The guy in the wow. black cape with the red lightsaber wow. wielding wow. the... Wow, okay. If you saw a red lightsaber and a guy, how... like, unprovoked, cutting people down, you wouldn't immediately think of Darth Vader? But look how, like, but look how he treated, like, the way Moff Gideon... You know, like the way he brushed away Moff Gideon. He's like, yeah, Moff Gideon, just a small little group, took care of that. Yeah, see, I don't believe it, though. It's, it's, it's because he's a double agent. 
he's okay. on the payroll right. of okay but okay. but the reason why the reason it's bad writing is nobody's like questioning him nobody's being like what are you saying right now like this is a huge deal this they they have this this red lightsaber wielding guy came onto our ship unmatched yeah cut yeah, us down yeah then cut down ahsoka then took this star map um they have a huge hyperdrive thing where they're going to another galaxy to get Thrawn. But they don't. But they don't have proof that there was a hyperspace ring. They, when they go to the that ship where the star map was, the hyperspace thing is there, and they get blasted by it as it's going into hyperspace. They're in oh, its path, and they get pushed right, out of the way. Right, and that was right, multiple you're right, you're people. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. And I guarantee, I guarantee, like the onboard computers and droids have perfect record of all that, and that would all. If this guy's in a military cancel, he he would have record of it and proof. And I don't know. I don't buy it. Okay, buddy. Okay, okay. I don't. I don't agree with you, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested in seeing that. I'm interested in seeing where we go from there because i don't think he is i don't think he is i just i just think that the overworked government of the new republic is just well i just but i think either way it doesn't make sense that Mm. that he is unopposed that people oh but he was a people though. wouldn't be no I, I mean um emotionally the fact that he's like it's it's unexplained why he's like dressing her down so harshly mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm, like clearly mm-hmm. like out to get her and yeah. his, his motivations are not explained yeah and and see that's where i think it's also political because he does shudder when leia organa so I think there's I think there's a political side to it too, and whether or not that that's imperial, I I don't have any reason to believe that it's. See, I love that it could be the politics of it. Like you have, you know, thousands of different senators, hundreds of different senators that disagree with each other and don't like each other, and I think that he's just a political rival to Leia Organa because, if you remember, like he kind of shudders and kind of like slumps in his seat when it's like oh yeah it's 3po and it's organa saying blah 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 she did and then he goes uh yeah i've got nothing but but all i'm saying is all they had to do was establish that political conflict with leia because you're Ah, you're just ah, see you're just assuming you're just assuming it's there but like they have to explicitly state it otherwise it's bad right see i don't think they need to and i like that they don't but 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 i like that that you have to kind of read into it and draw your own like you know character development kind of dealio i like that i'm like i don't want it explained to me no, if it you're doesn't. A they don't have. Or not. They don't have to hit you over the head with it. There's a way to do it that's subtle, sure. but there's sure. not. There's a complete lack of that. There's zero sure. there. There's. 
his motivations are entirely entirely unclear and yeah. no one is questioning it and and given all of the events leading up to that moment they don't make sense yeah but even even the chancellor she goes put your feelings aside is he a threat or not right even she is like questioning the general in a little way not I don't openly think so. as... I think she's clearly on the right side. Who? The, the correct side. You're talking about Mon Who? Mothma? The... Yeah. Yeah, she's oh. on the right side. Oh, see, I'm going to have to go watch that again because I'm like, I don't think she's... Because that last bit of dialogue where she's like, okay, you have your feelings. Put them aside. What's going on here? Yeah, I don't, I don't see that as her... Um, taking the counterpoint to Hera or siding with Jonas. I think she's like saying I think like she's... we need to we need to get to the bottom of this. I think she's mm. No way, man. Not Mon Mothma. Oh yes. She's worked too oh, hard. Yes. She's a good guy. Oh yes. I'm like mm. she's got but but again, she's no longer the rebel leader. She is now the chancellor in power trying to preserve and govern a new republic. That's completely different thinking from being a rebel leader. Totally two different things. But it's the same person. It's the same person. But I know that she knows the politics of it. And this is... But these are different roles that she has to play now. It's a different role than rebel leader. It's not though. It's she's the protector it of the. Is. No, she's she's the guardian. <laughs> she's she, if she was a senator, she did yes. not play the role of a senator. She was a rebel, and so now she's a chancellor. She's not going to play the role of a chancellor. She's going to be a good guy. She was a good guy when she was a senator. She's going to be a good guy when she's a chancellor. Oh, see, I think it's going to play it differently. I, I and, and because she is chancellor, I think that it gets more gray and less like, okay, that was a great decision or that was a decision that you're like, ugh, don't love it, but understand it because she is now in that seat of power. I, d- dude, I don't know. There's no higher stakes than being a senator during the the empire and she still made the right choice she she chose yeah, the altruistic yeah. path she's an altruist but again it's different when you're in power and you ha- and you are how you are there's there's difference between fighting for a cause and then having to balance the belief system of a new republic governing and being the leader of a rebellion, totally different things. I she's she's an altruist. Yeah. She's altruistic. I'm, and I'm excited if they write it that way. That it's not so clear. I'm sorry. We're getting the lag thing again. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, we're caught up now. Yeah. No, I can hear okay. You. So she's altruistic, no matter what her role is. She's she's the the moral center. Ooh. Ooh. I her spidey sense is through the roof right now that a guy with the red lightsaber yeah, yeah, yeah. just cut in half um her people. 
And this is someone who risked everything at the peril of herself, her entire family, her fortune. I get it. To do the right thing over the political thing. And she's always going to do the right thing. But this is now... See, I think this is where... This is where I like to live. And this is where I think we're going to disagree. And we are going to, but that's fine. But... So when you're a rebel leader, there is fewer things. I'm talking that about the Andor days. Called to do. I'm talking about pre-rebellion. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Okay. There are fewer things that you have to worry about other than the cause. Right? You will do anything for the cause, right? Defeat the empire in any way, fashion, form. Any way possible, right? That's for your the, thing. The, the greater good, though, is yeah, the obsession. Yeah, for the greater there. good. Okay. Yeah. Great. Now, when you're chancellor, though, who's to say what's the greater good? But, see, this is it, a This world, is a democracy, right? This is a world this of is extremes, a right? though. Th- this, huh? is a, this is a world... This is not a world where you can, like do a prisoner swap with the Sith or hand them a stack of cash. These are people who are, are bred like their entire being is evil. This is fantasy. And and, and there is no compromise. There's no gray here. I think this is what, but this is where Andor gets it brilliantly though. Right. Is like, okay. Yeah, I get it that you're fighting for the cause, but you are doing things that is like, like you know not not so nice but it's not dark side or it's not imperial it's just what you have to do for the cause and this is and see this is where star wars fans and i'm probably and where i get it into with star wars fans i'm like yeah but it's much more exciting now i don't think so I think it's much more exciting no. that the political stuff, now that she's in power, I don't, there's no cause. It is what is good for the Republic, obviously. But what, but you can't do that. And you can't just pull strings the way you want it unless you become Palpatine. You are the chancellor of a democracy who say, Montala gets it better than the Corellians, or you know, name another species that gets it over another. Mm-hmm. You have to balance those things as chancellor. Yeah, but and you're talking not... about like you're talking about little like disputes of trade and stuff like that. This oh, is yeah! this oh, is the pers- yeah! this is the personification of evil, like um um you know slicing down innocent people because because they are pure evil this sure. is not this is not but, like okay. somebody like you know trying to extend their borders so they can feed yeah. their tribe or something this is yeah this is someone who's literally out to extinguish light okay and that was so true in proof? andor too that's true in andor too even though there's there's none of the fantasy quote unquote stuff. It's yeah. still there. And that's why the yeah. stakes are so high. Yeah. And it, 
And it's saying like, okay, well, what does someone without a lightsaber have to do to defeat such looming evil? They have yes. to like literally put their kid in harm's way and yeah, their, yeah, yeah, their yeah. selves yeah. and their family and their sure. friends. Okay, what proof does General Sindula have that he is coming back? That who's coming back? That Thrawn is coming back. Why raise the alarm bells? Because um, it's it's not just Thrawn though. It's Balin, and it's and it's the Night Sister, and it's okay. Balin's apprentice, and okay. it's it's the hyperdrive that like shot into Republic yeah. ships, and it's yeah, it's the attack on Ahsoka who is widely recognized as a good guy and so like do we do we know that the republic knows that ahsoka is a is a thing still it was an x-wing pilot who took her out of the ocean who took her out of the yeah 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 yeah. but now that they're gone who's to say they're coming back who right that you saw the ring go, and you saw Ahsoka go. Mm-hmm. Where are they now? If if my general is attacked by the personification of evil, mm-hmm. and that person also does all these observable horrible things to my to my fleet. Mm-hmm. And then my general also says, I know why they're doing it. I'm probably going to listen to her. Or or I'm definitely not going to like actively suppress her or act like she's making something up. Like, no, I, yeah, I see that this guy uh, tried to kill Ahsoka, that he killed the, the captain of this ship and all of its crew, and that they blasted a bunch okay. of our X-Wings with this hyper hyperspeed uh hyperspace ring thing yeah and i'm probably forgetting other stuff i don't know yeah but you did lead a mission did you not like out of right like that wasn't sanctioned by the new republic yeah exactly but i'm not gonna like freak out at Hera for doing it because the stakes are so high right now See, I don't think they realize how big the stakes are. And that's my point. But, I don't think that they know that the stakes are that high. But how could they not? Because, because as I said, because they said it, like, we took care of Moff Gideon. We cleaned up Corellian shipyards by Morgan Elsbeth. And that one lone whatever rep Jedi, former Jedi Darth Vader figure is now nowhere to be seen and you have no proof that they are back. That They've who's gone, back? but they're Thrawn and all the other like insurgencies that you're... See, I think again, that they do not see that as a threat and that Morgan and that General Harris and Dula is coming up with no, with no, like, there's no, there's no proof or evidence to show that, oh, yeah, they are a threat. And that's the point. Essentially, that's, 
that's where I think they are at, is that I don't think that they think it's a threat. See, and I think that's a crazy statement. I think it's insane to all the calamity for seven episodes that Balin and company have created to say that they're not a threat. And clearly, um, we are... It's, it's bad writing to have a character who is pretending that it's not a big deal. When clearly this is a massive deal. That this guy came onto the ship with a lightsaber, killed the captain. I don't think it's bad writing at all. I think it's brilliant. No, it is not brilliant. It, it's absolutely if, brilliant. It, it would have made it brilliant like they did in Andor if they gave this guy like he's up for promotion or he's going to retire soon. Or he gave him a reason other than us having to just insert some random um, like motivation f- for hi- him. But see, I think we'll figure that. I think we'll get to that in a later episode. I, I know don't. there's only one left in this season, but yeah, it. I don't think doing it later He's is still good. There. Is Oh, okay. yeah. See, I think the doing it later thing is bad writing. I think they could have subtly um, had a moment with his assistant saying, "Yeah, um, here's your correspondence from blah blah blah. You're you have to report on this tomorrow." Sure. And, and he's like, "Oh, not this. I can't do this right now." And then he go and then he goes on the attack sure. against Hera. Anything at all. Okay. Now we just have a lunatic okay. who's claiming that nothing's wrong when everything is wrong. The dark side is back. I don't, okay. Just... <laughs> See, I yeah, again, this is where we're going to disagree, and I don't think that that's... I... So, so, okay, I'm going to use a work phrase. And, so let's put a pin in this. Okay. And we'll rally back to see what it comes up with. Okay. And we'll see. Because, yeah, I I think it's brilliant because I love the subtlety. I think it's a subtlety, and I think it's a tribute to the Trade Federation and all the politics of the prequels, um, which I loved. But, yeah, I think this is a completely different thing. Okay. Than, and I, and I you think know, it's... oh, he's a double agent and that he's you know, working for the empire and he's, and that, and that he's trying to stall or whatever the tactic is. Yeah. See, and I think it's the opposite of subtle. He's literally screaming at Hera for no reason. And it doesn't make sense. And nobody is protesting and in a rational environment. For no reason at all. For no reason at all. You think, you think. No, no, the reason is that is bad writing. That's not how Star Wars is, man. You know Exactly. That. That's why I think he's a double agent. I don't think he is, but we'll... All right. <laughs> it wasn't subtle, though. He was yelling at her. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's and not I, subtle. And again, why are you being such an alarmist? It's like, why are you being such an alarmist? Why are you, like... Making up this threat that is not real. But that happens. That happens. But he's not, he's like, he's screaming at her. He's not saying, Yeah. Why are you making up this threat that's not real? He's like attacking her. 
Yeah. And we're not given the motivation for why that is. And thus, and, and, now, and now we have bad writing. And No, and I think that it's good writing that it's like, it's not giving it to you like, you know, that it's not giving it to you like right off the bat. And that you're like, the, it, if it was bad writing, why are you and I now having a coffee like a water cooler moment and discussing it like with two very different points of view. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I mean, is that a sign of good writing that it like gives people two vastly different impressions? I don't. Yeah, I think it is because I don't know if it's great writing. I'm not going to say like it's, you know, literature in any imagine in any stretch of the imagination, but I do think that it is good writing that it leaves it up to you to discuss of like, does the quarter tip, right? Does the quarter fall basically? Okay. Yeah. So like Christopher Nolan fan. Okay. Right. You're talking about the top. Yeah. The top. Sorry. Okay. Um, all right. I, I see. I just don't think it's that deep. Nolan is su- super deep. I do. This is not that deep. I do. I do. I do. I think time and time again, George Lucas has called Star Wars a tone poem. Yes. And and he talks about how he would get in arguments with his his screenwriting professor mm-hmm. about how it's called a motion picture. It's about the picture. It's about the filmography. It's about the tone sure. and this sure. like story. But this is a TV show. I I know I know. But... And this is this is not George Lucas. This is Dave Filoni. I know, but George was prequels and, and yes. And I I don't know, man. I I don't see the subtlety there. I think okay. I think okay. there's okay. look. <laughs> I could be wrong. Absolutely, I've been wrong before on these kinds of things. And look in episode eight. If I'm wrong, I'll come back on here and be like, you know what, buddy? Damn it. He was a double agent. Damn it. I read too much into it. And he's a double agent and he's been working for the Empire. I I, I suspect that they're not going to... This guy will never show up again. I disagree with that one. And if he does, it's because he's a double agent. And I will admit <laughs> that I'm wrong when, if, and when that happens. But I don't think this is the end. Because you don't have Admiral Akbar and, like, you know, two other, like, senators just sit there like lumps on a log and say nothing. If it's like, oh, this guy's important. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Do you think there'll be season two? I think there has to be. There's no way they're going to wrap up. I think there has to be. I think there has to be. There's no way. There has to be. Yeah. You don't kill Thrawn in in the next episode or whatever the case might be. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. There's absolutely no way. No. So, all right. I mean, it's already Thursday, so we're not too far away from Tuesday. From the last episode. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm looking forward to it, buddy. Do they get off the planet? 
Do they get back to the galaxy to their own galaxy um, by the end? Th- there is. There's still the possibility that they use the world between worlds. Oh, interesting. Which apparently lets you walk across the universe if you want yes. to. Yes. I don't know how you get in there, but Ahsoka's been there, so maybe. Interesting. Maybe, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I did see an interesting thing online where they they were talking about how Anakin wanted to use the Force to save the ones he loved from death. And that's yeah. exactly what he did with Ahsoka. He, he saved her from death as opposed he so his attachment is what saved Anakin's or uh, Ahsoka's life Ahsoka's life his, his attachment to Ahsoka so that would be another like that would be another checkbox of like yes yeah, that wasn't a dream and she was in the world between two realms or whatever the, the... yeah yeah, something like that. I don't know. Interesting. Anyway, this has probably been our longest episode, so uh, we better yeah, wrap it up. But it was a really good one, though. It was better a good one. Yeah. Anyway, everybody. And we'll see. Yeah. Everyone, thanks for listening. Oh, and comment down below. Yeah. Thanks for watching. Uh, you know, comment down below. You know, Star Trek Senator Shimono, is he a double agent or not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, if you're listening to this, we also have a YouTube channel. So if you just type in YouTube, Whee! Captain's Quarters Star Trek Rewatch Podcast, hopefully it, it, it shows up. So go ahead and uh, subscribe and do all the things there. And we appreciate it. Notifications and, and red yeah. alert bell. Yeah. So until next time, live long and prosper. And may the force be with you. See you.